Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, May the 9th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Your first daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, the weather continues to be wonderful around here. We're experiencing another day that's expected to be in the upper 70s. So I'm real happy about that. And I'm real happy that I got most of the bookkeeping done this morning, which is not one of my favorite things, but I got through it. Okay, no harm, no foul, no injury, so this is a good thing. <laughs> Yay. How are you doing? Sometimes, you know what, there, there's a saying, and I can't remember what it, um, what it is, but you might know it. But it just it has to do with um, getting the, the tasks that are your least favorite out of the way first. Do you Which know what I I'm did. talking about? Well, I know about it from experience. I don't know the particular phrase, but that's exactly what I did this morning. <laughs> and, and that, you know, that will help you help you have a smooth sailing the rest of the day but also it's just it's a sense of accomplishment of i think of oh good like you said got that out of the way yes yes it, so it, it might be setting yourself up for a really good vibration because you're not like procrastinating you know what they say about procrastination i have heard that procrastination ages us faster than any other bad habit really I actually heard somebody say it ages us faster than drinking or smoking or <laughs> wow. or uh, not sleeping enough or not exercising or eating junk food like procrastination. <laughs> when I heard that, I don't know if it's true, but I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> OK, well, that's one thing I can get it on does make of. sense and it works nicely because you mentioned sleep. Last night, I slept really deeply to the point where when I opened my eyes this morning and it was light, my reaction was. Wow. It's morning already? What happened? <laughs> Not that I wasn't rested. It's just like, boom, morning. Holy cow. So, yeah. That's, that's funny that you said that because when I woke up this morning, I had the reaction of, oh, did I sleep? Did I oversleep? Because it was so bright in the room. <laughs> yeah, right. It's the and I guess the days are just starting to get brighter earlier because right. I know when we do the podcast in the winter, it's still it's dark. It's dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you wake up in the morning and, and the sunlight's pouring in and you say, wow, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> That's the best feeling ever, though, for me to go to sleep and then wake up and it's time to get up. Yeah. <laughs> Because that's not usually my experience as of late. Lately, I've been sleeping really, really well. But I have had some moments in the past year or so where I wake up and it's only 4 o'clock or 2 mm. o'clock. It's like, oh. So plus this that's, time a, of year. that's a thing to be grateful for. Oh, yeah. And plus this time of year, because it's the gardening season and Louise's got the gardening business that I'm helping with. That's what I was doing the bookkeeping for. She tends to be up um, before I am. And she literally got up like a minute before I did. And and so I woke up and I, I saw her and I said, it's morning? <laughs> and she says, oh, yeah, the cats are after us. They want to go outside and so forth. It's like, what happened? I don't understand. <laughs> but it was so good. You, I mean, it's not like I was feeling bad or anything. I was feeling good. It was just like a surprise. So Yeah, that's an indicator that you slept great. So. Exactly, exactly. Perfect. That's what it was, yeah. That kind of ties into what we're talking about because we're finally to part three. I'm excited. Maintaining my physical well-being. Yeah, that definitely ties in. And right? I, I, I know that it's it sounds weird when you're looking at and reading a book called Money and the Law of Attraction and you're up to a section that's entitled Maintaining My Physical Well-Being. And the question is, well, what does that have to do with money? <laughs> well... You know, it's what I always say to people is that 
we're holistic beings. And so everything affects everything else. And I think that our sense of well-being, I mean, it's all tied together. Mm. It's kind of like people talk about, you know, having bringing work stress home or having relationship issues at home that are affecting their work or whatever. It makes total sense because everything that we do, you know, everything we do, we do the same. How you do anything is how you do everything. This is true. And, and when we have a, you know, a money problem, it can affect our health because of the stress issues and vice versa. And when we have health problems, it definitely can affect our, our money, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not like we uh, deal with all the rest of life in one way. And then when it comes to money, we put on a different persona and it just it's a different person who's doing the money part. It's all part of the same thing. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense. And that means we need to learn how to be uh, abundant in all areas of our life, which we really want anyway. I mean, the money is just a means to, you know, accomplishing other ends. Well, why not also include the other ends, you know, and what it is that we're trying to accomplish? Well, something that I also thought was interesting thinking about it is that in the book, um, we've gone through part one and part two. And part one was where we learned pivoting and some different exercises to get ourselves into alignment. Mm-hmm. And then part two, we, we were so excited to finally get to part two, attracting money. Yay. Yeah, right. <laughs> and manifesting abundance. Now, part three is maintaining my physical well-being. But when we get to part four, we're going to be talking about health and weight. Mm. And so I thought it was interesting. We had, you made this distinction in our conversation yesterday that well-being and health are two different things. Because we talked about the idea of health and well-being. Right, it's true. So so this section begins to focus on well-being. And I'm excited about it for two reasons. One reason, because I had an experience that you've heard me talk about over and over since it happened, because it (laughs) happened connected to the podcast. And that was at the beginning of the year where doing some pivoting actually helped my healing process along, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And then the other reason is that I've heard it said, and and I, I agree with it and it's totally going to be out of alignment with Abraham because Abraham says it's just as easy to create a button as it is a castle or a castle as it is a button. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, I know that for Abraham, it's just all the same. It's just all conscious creating. And I want to get to that place. In my experience, creating things, manifesting opportunities and money, that's easy. The health part, and I'm healthy. But what I realized for myself and so many other people is that when your body is in physical pain or emotional pain, it's really hard sometimes, or it seems really hard mm-hmm. to shift that vibe oh, yeah. and to hold the vision to feel how you want to feel. It's one thing for me to feel abundant and rich when the bank account is low. That's actually pretty easy for me. But to feel like I don't have a migraine when I have a migraine, (laughs) (laughs) not as easy for me. It's funny. We all have uh, the the thing about what's easy and what's not. That all points to self-imposed limitations and also points to um, resistances, I guess that's the word, in our thinking. 
And so it's actually a good thing to notice when these things happen because now we know, oh, I ran into a resistance. Now I know this is something I have to do one of my resistance processes on. Um, but the fact is we all have different ones. I mean, you said that the pain thing is actually harder for you. For me, it's actually the reverse. <laughs> I think it's got to be different for everybody. I mean, I actually can handle uh, the idea of overcoming pain easier than I can the idea of attracting money in. Not that I can't do either one. It's just, I don't know. I've been able to, even in places where I was in pretty bad pain, I've been able to just focus on my breathing and just believe that it was going to get better. And within a very short period of time, I, I, I felt better. I mean, the headache or whatever may not have been gone, but it was reduced. So for me, that's easier. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I've ha I definitely had that experience. And I know meditation and yet, like you said, focusing on the breath, um, that definitely helps. I also have an exceedingly high pain threshold. So um, I, in some ways, that's a good thing. And yet. It seems to me that that's, you know, I've heard somebody say one time, if you can create healing in your own body um, through, you know, conscious creation tools, then you've got it wrapped up. Like everything else is easy peasy compared to that. Um, and that I would, you know, for myself, I agree. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad we have different experiences about this because it's just a, an example to anyone listening that, you know, What's easy or seems easy or easier for one person isn't the same for someone else. It's and not. so thankfully we've got, uh, you know, we've got information that covers everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's encouraging because it means that anything that we feel is easy is something we know now is low resistance. And if it's low resistance, oh, okay. So I can even feel easier about it because I'm confident I know that just the fact that it feels easy right now means it's going to be easier to attract. It's and it's my resistance level is going to be low, and so keeping it low is not difficult. I already know how to do that. That's a good thing. So now yeah. I can apply the same principle to whatever I find to be harder. And if I do the same thing there, if I can kind of bridge it over using the bridging process, well, maybe I can start to reduce that resistance level too. So that starts to seem easier. Right. I was going to say the same thing as it's when we can realize, okay, wait, I've got this process down. All I have to do is transfer it over to this other thing. Yeah. How do I apply it to this area? That's you right. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is what the bridging yeah. thing is all about. That's what bridging is, right? You get yourself into a good feeling place about one thing, and then you kind of carry that, in, that, that feeling over to the other thing. Yeah. I, I mean, what, what methods have we used to help that along? There are a lot of them. I mean, that's part of what the pivot process is for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and, and bridging also is a part of it. Um, the names are the ones that, that I have trouble with. What are the different names of the processes? There are a number of them. I just don't remember what the names are. Um, focus wheels. Focus wheels are good for that kind of thing. You know, you're having trouble with something. Well, you you, you do your focus wheel where you write down like, uh, you know, 12 different things around the, the clock. They use the clock image. And 12 different things that uh, are what you, you're excited about, whatever it is you're trying to attract, even if it's difficult. And just by focusing on what you love about it, you start to shift the energy. So uh, there are a lot of them. There, there are a number of different processes. You know, I've heard about the, the focus wheels and the grids forever, and I don't think I've ever done either one. So oh, I really? need to add that to my to my tool bucket. <laughs> well, well, Tom and I actually did one. Uh, we did a podcast on focus wheels a couple of weeks back, so you might check into that one. Tom did okay, a lot of research on it, and we even did one live on the show. 
and it was good. Oh, cool. I, I was the one who I was the subject of it. I was the one who was doing the focus wheel, and I could actually shift the. I could feel the energy shift as I was doing it. I could feel myself getting into that better feeling place. So I know it. It, it does what it's supposed to do. And I bet everyone listening had the shift right along with you. They probably did, yes, because <laughs> it was fun. It was enjoyable. And I think my, if I'm, I don't remember what my topic was. I don't remember exactly what it was I was focusing on. But I remember it was fairly generic. So, you know, most people could, you know, identify with it. Right. Very cool. I will yeah. definitely go find that one because that is, it's, when you said it, I thought to myself, you know, I've never done one. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen them and I've heard people talk about them. It's like one of those things I just skipped over. Uh, Interesting think, thing, I too. That happens. When we did it, we didn't actually complete the wheel. We did like half of it or two thirds of it. And yet even after half of it, we had the big energy boost. And we, we basically got off on other stuff. So that's why we didn't finish doing the wheel during the show. But I'm wondering how high we would have gotten if we had finished it. Because we got we got pretty good. We were both feeling pretty good, even halfway through it. And so if you did half of it, how much time did you invest in it? Well, we're talking about it as we're doing it. So mm -hmm. we probably spent like half, maybe a little bit more than half the show on it. Okay. I was just thinking, we've talked about certain exercises and some of them take, you know, 30 seconds and some of them just take a few moments. And so I was just curious is how much time would you allot if you decided today, okay, today, you know, after after breakfast or whatever, I'm going to make sure I do a focus wheel. Are we looking at 10 minutes or an hour? It's probably closer to 10 minutes if you really apply yourself to it. Okay. Um, I mean, because basically what you're doing is, is you draw a big circle on a piece of paper and you mark it out like 12 numbers on a clock. And then at the top, you indicate what your topic is. And in the very center, you write what your goal is. And then each of the hours on the clock is where you write in one particular piece about why you feel good about that goal. So you're doing that 12 okay. times going around the clock. Okay. So it's how much time does it take to write out those 12 things and to think, think of what they are. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. So All right. you can do that in 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Yeah. It just depends on how, you know, focused you are on it. <laughs> and that's the whole purpose. That's of the it, purpose. So. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm excited about this. We're we're starting um, in the paperback. We're on page 99. My thoughts create my physical experience. Are we ready to, to dive in? I think we're more than ready. Let's do it. Awesome. So it begins with italics. So I always want to mention that because that sounds like it's important. Mm -hmm. The idea of success and success is in quotation marks mm. for most people revolves around money or the acquisition of property or other possessions. But we consider a state of joy as the greatest achievement of success. And while the attainment of money and wonderful possessions certainly can enhance your state of joy, the achievement of a good feeling physical body is by far the greatest factor for maintaining a continuing state of joy and well-being. See, they agree with you already. <laughs> they, they already say it's your body that's more important. And that's what you were saying. I, I, I have more trouble with uh, going after, you know, when I'm feeling in pain, whereas I can easily attract money. They're agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> Every part of your life is experienced through the perspective of your physical body. I'm so glad they're talking about this. Mm. Um, and when you feel good, everything you see looks better. Certainly, it is possible to maintain a good attitude even when your physical body is diminished in some way. 
But a good feeling body is a powerful basis for an ongoing good attitude. And so it is not surprising that since the way you feel affects your thoughts and attitudes about things, and since your thoughts and attitudes equal your point of attraction, and since your point of attraction equals the way your life continues to play out, there are few things of greater value than the achievement of a good feeling body. Yep, I agree. That's true. I think it's important also to note here that this first sentence, every part of your life ex- is experienced through the perspective of your physical body. Right. Because one of the things that I like to remember is that feelings and thoughts and emotions, emotions are felt in the physical body. Yeah. They're not just in our head. Like a lot of times we feel like we're in our head when we, you know, if, if you were to feel an emotion, regardless of whether it was comfortable or uncomfortable, right? Sadness, happiness, joy, anger, whatever. It's, it's not often that we take the time to pay attention to where we feel it in our body. But if you are telling me, oh, I'm really frustrated or I'm really angry or I feel sad or, oh, I feel so excited about this. And I were to say, where do you feel it in your body? And you actually stopped and thought about it. You would have an answer. Right. Some people say, oh, I, you know, I feel so angry. Where do you feel it? I feel it in my shoulders or my jaw or they feel excited. Where do you feel it? Oh, I feel it all over. Or, I feel like I feel tingly in my hands and feet or, you know, but there is actually a physical response to the things we're feeling. I think that's a good indication of how connected we are to ourselves, yeah. to our inner being. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason I say that is through most of my life and even since I started studying this and became more connected in a sense, um, I can't say that I feel stuff in various parts of my body the way you're describing. I don't like if I'm feeling a certain way, I don't feel like there's a pain in my shoulder most of the time or, you know, or, or some particular isolated part. For me, most of the time, it's just it, it, somewhere generally in my chest. That's that's where it almost always is. So well, see, I, but you I'm, do have a point of reference. Oh, I do. Where I do. I do. Think, and yet I think that most of us, we have emotion and we don't. We are feeling in our body, but we don't stop to be conscious of that or aware or or ask ourselves where we're feeling it. And here's why I think it's important. It's just like you said, it's a, it's the strong connection. Mm -hmm. And so when we get to that place, I love that. I just, I was thrilled when I read this sentence, every part of your life is experienced through the perspective of your physical body. And when you feel good, everything you see looks better. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. And I, right, I'm, so. I'm realizing besides my chest, where else do I feel stuff? Well, I think we all feel headaches at various times. So there's one yeah. place where we feel stuff. Mm-hmm. And most People commonly, talk I about feel... about a knot in their stomach. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And in the jaw, especially if we're stressed, I get mm-hmm. you know, a huge amount of, of pain in my jaw when I'm stressed out. And that's a good indicator for me. Whenever my jaw is hurt, it's like, uh-oh, what am I stressing about now? Let go of that one. <laughs> yeah. Now, see, now you're naming a bunch of them. So they're, they're, they're there. <laughs> so I just talked yeah. myself out of my own argument. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know um, I do some, some voice work recording and, and actually writing and, and have sold some meditations that I wrote to companies that produce meditation. Oh, nice. I didn't know you'd done that. And I always start at the top of the head with a relaxation process. And I often mention that when I get to the jaw and the shoulders, mm. that our, our jaw and our shoulders and our neck hold 
so much stress for us, right? And it's like, we can just let it go for now. Like they'll pick it back up later if they want. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you say that, I'm realizing, I think I understand now why I don't get stress in my shoulders and in my neck. It's because of my walking that I do every day. When I walk, one of the things I do in order to kind of shake off stress is just kind of throw my shoulders back like, oh, okay, I'm outside. I can relax now. And I'll bet you that stops me from ever having pain in my shoulders. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you said that you kind of shake it off. Yeah. Um, I was reading, there's some really interesting stuff, and now I can't think of the name of it, but there's an actual process that you may know of um, in like the realm of, well, I want to say physical therapy. And we they talk about how animals will shake. Like you, everybody's seen a, a dog get up and shake. Right. They talk about um, they're shaking it off and that animals that are, that have had an experience that have left them fearful or whatever. I mean, they're feeling it. They shake it. They shake their body and that we don't do that and that we should. And it's a whole process of release to release things out of the body. Mm, Yeah. And so that's, you know, it's interesting that you can find so much information about any given thing, right? It's it's unreal. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, I have a suspicion that's probably why I started doing that. I can't remember for sure, but as you're describing that, I am not at all. I would not be at all surprised if I were able to remember that. You know, back to the time when I first started doing that, and found that I had been thinking, well, animals shake things off. Why can't I think you know shake something off? So I'll start shaking things off. If I've occasionally seen somebody that was relaying a story about something that had happened like recent, you know, someone that's stressed that comes in and they're talking about something. And, and as they start to get into the part of the story that feels very emotional, um, they'll like shake their hands like, Oh, shake. I mean, you've seen someone do that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I think that naturally our body wants to do that. We want to shake it off. We want to release that energy. Um, and so, yeah, that's, I think it's really, really interesting, but our bodies are so wise. Yeah. Our bodies are constantly giving us messages that will help us and guide us. If we'll pay attention a lot, a lot of times we don't pay attention and we ignore. And I always say, you know, if we, if you ignore your body, when it's whispering to you, it's going to shout <laughs> we'll, at you later on. <laughs> we'll start get getting louder. And by yeah. the time it's shouting at us, it, that's the pain part. So, right. right. And by the way, so, I, I've actually, as you were talking there, I was thinking that this past few months, um, this, this winter was one of the most unexercised uh, winters for me in years. I just didn't have any good opportunities to get out. There was so much snow. It was really, really cold. And so I just didn't get in the level of exercise I've been getting throughout the year. And so by the time um, February rolled around, when I was trying to do some stuff indoors just to kind of get going and I was really itching to get outside, I actually injured myself unintentionally. And it's not like I was doing any hard exercise or anything like that. I'm pretty sure I either pulled or or tore or something like that, one or or both of the uh, ligaments in my knees. And... I, you know, it was pretty severe pain to the point where I I can't crouch. I can't do a lot of the things that I would normally do. And so I, I was thinking, well, 
I really don't have the funds to go, you know, get an orthopedic surgeon to go, you know, dig inside of me and tie everything together. And plus, I'll have a recovery time anyway. And I do know the body right. heals. So I'll, I'll just trust it's going to heal. I'm going to start feeling good about healing. But now I got to deal with the day-to-day -day pain. And that's what made me think of what you were talking about earlier, dealing with the pain. Okay, mm -hmm. well, how am I going to deal with this pain? And I've, I decided pretty much that, okay, the pain's there, but I'm not going to let it stop me from doing what I know I need to do in order to heal. And I did some research, and I found that when knees are, and, and any of the major joints, knees are the largest of the joints, but any of the major joints of the body, if you if, if they become loose, if the muscle around them uh, it no longer has the tone that it had before, and so the joints become loose and they kind of like shake around a little bit, that's where not only you can have ligament issues, but over time, you can actually build up arthritis. That's where arthritis starts to get in. So I said, well, that's not acceptable. I'm not going there. So I decided, what can I do to work on my joints to tighten them up? Because that's what they recommend. And I thought about it, and I thought about it. I said, well, I like to do my walking, but the walking's been kind of tough even when I've been able to get out because I can feel it when I get back. I mean, really, the knees have been hurting. But bike riding, that's a lot less stressful. So now that the warm weather is here, I've been making it a deliberate point to go bike riding. And I actually prefer the walking better. I like it better, but the, the bike riding is better for my knees. So I figured if I can just get out regularly and ride a few miles every day, well, then I'll strengthen up my knees and they'll, they'll tie it together and you know, the ligaments will heal and I'll be fine. Interesting thing that's been happening. Well, first of all, I'm doing something I hadn't done before. I'm doing 10 miles biking a day, which I'm really feeling. <laughs> I really sense it. I can feel it in my body. But I'm also not stressing the knees because it's just, you know, turning the crank on the bike. Well, yeah, I come back from a bike ride and I I feel, you know, that 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 pain, that the burn that you get from it, from working your muscles. But I don't feel the pain in the sense that my knees are all frozen up. And indeed, mm -hmm. I'm getting to the point now where I'm, I'm not to the point where I can go down completely into a, a total crouch. I can go down like 80%, but it's improving. And it, I'm just, I, I'm being very gentle. I'm doing very gentle stretching because I have noticed a few times I've, I've felt pops. So I figure, okay, well, yes, yeah, that's the ligament. So I got to be careful there. But just slowly working it, slowly working it, it's getting better. And the pain level is going down. That's wonderful. The pain level is going down. Now, do I still experience it? Yeah, I still experience pain, but it's reducing. I'm making progress. And I really do believe I'm going to get to the point where if I stay positive about it, all this exercise I'm going to do is going to eliminate the pain entirely, and I'll get my full range of motion down. I'll be able to go down to a crouch and get myself back up and not have to hang on to something. <laughs> I totally believe that's going to happen. Yeah. Because you're putting your focus there. Yeah. And I love that at the beginning of this story, you said you said you were having some pain and you said, so I started researching and I said, what can I do to avoid the pain while I focus on my healing? Right. And I was like, that's the key right there. It is, is exactly. Focus is on the body healing. Yes, yes. Know? And even when you feel that burn in your muscles, I was thinking when you were talking about that, I thought, isn't it funny that I know for me anyway, you know that if I hurt my, and I, I hurt my knee once um, and it was, whoo, boy, was it painful. And it was a pain that I knew in my mind wasn't supposed to be there. Right. Like you talked about, you heard a pop, you know, it's mm. like, okay, this is not good. <laughs> and it's like, this was more like, ah, this is okay. This is terrible. 
but then the burning in the muscles is kind of like, okay, no, that's a good pain. <laughs> that's because something's working. And I thought that's funny how we differentiate between oh yeah, like, bad well, pain and good pain. It's well, like, no, the pop I got, I, literally I was on the bed lying on my back and just gently pulling my knees up to see how much range of motion I had. And I heard mm -hmm. the pop. I could feel it a little bit. It was not painful. So I, I know I didn't rip anything, but I could feel it. And, and because I was being gentle, even though I experienced that, I got past it because it wasn't a major injury. Now, if I had been, you know, really stretching, like doing a hard athletic stretch, I probably would have torn it in half. But I didn't do that. I'm very glad you didn't. Me oh. too. Yeah. And it's because I'm being gentle about it. I'm working it, but I'm being gentle. So good feeling thoughts. Yeah. 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 And focus. Focus on, on the healing process and not on the, the pain and the injury process. Yeah, that's it's, right. That's exactly. the pivot. It's like, okay, so... It says, it's quite interesting to note that not only does a good feeling body promote positive thoughts, but that also positive thoughts promote a good feeling body. That's so funny. That's just what we were saying. Right? Mm -hmm. That means you do not have to be in a perfect state of health in order to find feelings of relief that eventually can lead you to a wonderful mood or attitude. For if you're able to somehow find that relief, even when your body is hurting or sick, you will find physical improvement because your thoughts create your reality. I love mm -hmm. that. Yeah, that is good. That's really strong. Uh, so here, here we go. The, the subtitle of this section is <laughs> complaining about complaining is also complaining. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Many complain that it's easy to be optimistic when you're young and in good health, but that it's very difficult when you're older or sicker. But we never encourage using your age or a current state of failing health as a limiting thought that disallows improvement or recovery. This is italicized, this next paragraph that says, most people have no idea of the power of their own thoughts. They do not realize that as they continue to find things to complain about, they disallow their own physical well-being. Many do not realize that before they were complaining about an aching body or a chronic disease, they were complaining about many other things first. Yeah, I wish there was like three underlines on that last bit. Oh, it does not matter if the object of your complaint is about someone you're angry with, someone who's betrayed you, behavior in others that you believe is wrong, or something wrong with your own physical body. Complaining is complaining, and it disallows recovery. Absolutely, And that it does. last part is underlined. It is underlined, complaining yes. Is complaining, and it disallows recovery. And it does. It does. Wow. I don't care how you, you justify it. The simple fact is the more that we're focusing on how bad this is how could that possibly be good how can it possibly help to say oh but this hurts so much and i've been suffering for so long and i don't see any end in sight but i mean i'm getting sad just saying that how can that possibly <laughs> help yeah right and and i love the way this says well I, I don't actually love it but it's good to know right um that People would be complaining. Many do not realize that before they were complaining about an aching body or a chronic disease, they were complaining about many other things first. And we know that. We know that we do. when we have a negative outlook and we're focused on the things that aren't going right or the things we don't enjoy, that 
it affects our physical body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. It does. So what? So whether you're feeling good and are looking for a way to maintain that good feeling state of being, or if your physical body is diminished in some way and you're looking for recovery, the process is the same. Learn to guide your thoughts in the direction of things that feel good and discover the power that only comes from vibrational alignment with source. It's very true. Now, how do you do that? You're in pain. You're suffering in some way. How do you guide your thoughts when you're feeling pain? And my funny answer, movies. What's that? Funny movies? Yeah, funny movies. That's a good idea. I like that. Yeah, if you have if you have nothing else that you can do, I mean, let's say you're you're, you're strapped down to the bed for some reason, you can't go anywhere. Well, yeah, watch funny movies. That that's a good thing to do. But you can also do more than that. You you can actually take physical inventory in a way that doesn't focus on pain. That is possible to do even when you're in pain. And mm-hmm. the way I like to do it is, let's say, I mean, this case in my own story, I had two knees that were a problem. If Let's assume for the sake of discussion, I'll, I'll address two knees in a moment. But let's say for the sake of discussion, there was only one knee and that the other knee was feeling good. My very first go-to thing would be to focus on, boy, that other knee feels good. Mm-hmm. In fact, it feels so good. Look how much range of motion it has. I can flex it. I can do all kinds of things. It feels great. That's the way I want the other knee to feel. And I've just shifted my energy. Right. Second right. thing. Second thing I like to do. Let's say both knees are in pain. Okay. Okay. Both knees are in pain. Well, are they always in pain? Well, no. Actually, I'm just lying here, and they aren't in pain when I'm lying here. You know, it's not like I, I have uh, heavy arthritis where the pain is always there. So. Okay, I got a good thing there. That means I'm not in pain right now. Well, as long as I'm lying here, my knees are healing. They're healing right now. because, And I can feel it because I'm not in pain. So let's take it to the next step. How about for somebody who is chronically in pain all the time, every single step of the way, every single moment of every single day? How do they get their mind around it? How do they turn it around? And... Actually, we have a clue about that in one of the stories in the book that is about to be published later this month that we've all been writing. One of our contributors is from Africa, South Africa, I believe, and she is a young woman who is racked with arthritis. I mean, none of the pain that you have, listeners, matches anything close to what she has. And yet, despite that, she was able to manifest a trip to Italy free where she got treatment. It didn't cure her of her arthritis, but she got some treatment. She got some help. And today, she's a life coach helping disadvantaged kids in South Africa. So clearly, even somebody in her condition, she was still able to do things to turn that pain around and to make it something that was a positive feeling. Now, I'm not going to give you all the clues about what she did. You're going to have to read the story to find that out. But what I will tell you is this. It can be done. You just have to be willing to do it. Well, and I think about... When, you know, you were talking about your knees and saying, do they hurt all the time? No. Um, what about other parts of our body? Even if your knees did hurt all the time, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, well, my hands don't hurt. Right. And my feet don't hurt. And I'm really thankful that I don't have a headache. Mm-hmm. And all of those parts are feeling fine. That's right. They are. <laughs> so it's just the focus. It's just about pivoting that focus. And when I'm talking to you about right now about my hands and how my hands feel really good, they feel pretty strong. They feel flexible. I'm moving them around and making a fist. They don't hurt at all. Um, my focus is on my hands. Mm-hmm. 
and not on, you know, the pain in my neck or wherever I have a pain. So and it's just about continually bringing that focus back. That's powerful. It's powerful. And by the way, it actually does heal. And I have, yeah. I have personal evidence of this. One of the very earliest manifestations I learned to do after learning about the law of attraction involved a cyst that appeared on the knuckle of my left pinky. And I didn't know what it was. I, I had no idea it was a cyst, but I was at a doctor one day for something else. And I said, by the way, what is this? And she says, oh, it's a cyst. And I said, oh, is it anything to worry about? And she says, well, I mean, if you don't do anything about it, it could become cancerous over time. It's not likely to, but it's a possibility. So, I mean, you probably just want to have it uh, removed. You know, make an appointment. We can just do it in the office. It's not a big deal. Um, but you do want to remove it because they don't go away on their own. I said, oh, well, I wasn't really anxious to have it done. So I just kind of left it there. And about six months later, I was still there and I was still dealing with it. And then I discovered the law of attraction. I read, um, I, I watched the movie The Secret. And I figured, okay, well, I'll see if I can use The Secret to get rid of the cyst. So I started focusing on getting rid of the cyst. And boy, it just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> it just stayed right there. <laughs> it stayed there for quite a few months. And then um, actually about two and a half months later, I thought to myself, oh, they said you're supposed to focus on feeling good. There's nothing really feeling good about focusing on the cyst, trying to make it go away. That doesn't feel very good. What would feel good? And I thought about it and I said, oh, I know. I have another finger that's also a pinky that doesn't have a cyst on it. I wonder what would happen if I were to, to look at that other pinky, really study it and see how healthy it is and say to myself, that's the way my left pinky looks. And so I did that for a few days, and then I forgot. And then a couple weeks later, I checked my left finger, and the cyst was gone. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's a great story. So something <laughs> that only can be removed by a doctor in an office disappeared on its own, on its own simply because I focused on a healthy pinky. Amazing. <laughs> so no it's one can tell me that it has nothing to do with it. Exactly yeah, what we're talking it about. worked beautifully, you know. Now, did I have a low level of resistance? Absolutely, I had a low level of resistance compared to other stuff. But the point is, it proves that it actually can happen. You just have to do whatever it takes to get yourself into that mentally positive state about whatever it is you're dealing with. And I love that you you actually had the whole experiment. Like yeah. you did the focusing on the actual problem. And it didn't help. And then you realized, oh, wait, I need to focus on the the healthy part of it. And exactly. then it went away. It's amazing. And I remember, too, going to Louise after I discovered that it was gone. Because it took me a, <laughs> a moment to realize it wasn't there. And to realize what the import was of that. And I was like, oh, my God. And I had to go find Louise to show her my, like like a little kid, showing her my pinky. Look, there's no system. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's such a great story. I feel like you've just been saving that story up for this moment. In the book. I think I actually told that story about four or five years ago, but it's been a while. So it says, as you continue to read this book, things that you've known long before you were born will be remembered and you will feel a resonance with these laws and practices or and processes that will give you a feeling of empowerment. And then all that's required for the achievement and maintenance of a healthy, good-feeling body is some deliberate attention to thoughts and feelings and a sincere desire to feel good. Mm -hmm. Yep. And not only uh, is it, I mean, they're saying here, you, you'll, um, where is it? 
things that you have known long before you were born will be remembered. Mm -hmm. It's not just things from before you were born. It's things from earlier in your life. I mean, in this case, the story of the cyst on my pinky finger, you know, it, it, that's a real story. And it really occurred to me. And I remember it whenever I, I'm dealing with sort of some sort of physical issue. In fact, I remembered it when I was dealing with the knees earlier this year. It did influence my thought. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is these are the kind of experience we have that, boy, they're great for us to use in the future when we come up against something because they're very encouraging. Somebody... They're vibe shifters. I mean, my vibe shifted hearing your story. So <laughs> <Well>, good. <laughs> right? Somebody posted on Facebook something to the effect that they were um, feeling doubt about the law of attraction. They were they were new to it. They were still learning it. They they, they had a lot of um, uh, skepticism about it and so forth. And, and they were looking for, you know, some positive vibes, so to speak, to help them feel better and and feel more confident about it. And so they got, you know, the positive vibes. People were saying, oh, I'm passing this stuff to you. Oh, everything's going to be okay, blah, 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 blah. And I read the note and I said, none of these people are addressing the concern. The concern is I'm skeptical. And so I wrote a note to her basically saying, I've, I'm skeptical too. I mean, I have moved most of my skepticism out of the way over time, but it's taken a while. Skepticism mm -hmm. is part of the process. It's just, it's a normal thing. And what we're really trying to do when we're trying to overcome the skepticism, well, we, we can't do it through science yet. Science has not yet figured out how to detect source energy. That will eventually happen, I believe, but we're not there yet. It's kind of like where Einstein was when he first developed his theory of relativity. None of what he, he theorized could be proved at the time he came up with it. It was right. all way beyond what science was able to do at that time. It took, in, in many cases, 50, 75 years before some of the elements of his theory were actually demonstrable by science through you know, something stuff we do in space and other stuff that are done in, in, in uh, laboratories and so on and so forth with the, the modern technologies we have today. But it couldn't be proven at the time, so it was literally an unproven theory. I believe that's where law of attraction is right now. I mean, science does not accept law of attraction. They don't accept it at all. But they will eventually discover source energy. And once they do, then they're going to do all their little testing to start learning more and more about how the whole thing works. And then we're going to have scientific proof that law of attraction really works. Until then, we're limited to faith and belief, which is okay. We can, we can live with that. But we have to recognize that's what we're actually dealing with. And once we understand that's what we're dealing with, then what we're talking about is data collection. We're trying to collect experiences Things that we've, we've thought about, things that we've looked at and experienced and heard other people talk about. We're, we're collecting the stories, right? And as we collect the stories, then we're deciding, well, is there enough of a preponderance of evidence here for me to start shifting my belief about whether the law of attraction works? Because what happened with, in my case was I was a very strong believer in the laws of probability and chance. And I, I said, well, you know, even crazy things can happen because of the laws of probability and chance. I mean, there's, there's a certain probability things, things will happen. But what happened to me over time was I kept running into situation after situation after situation where the laws of probability seemed to be bent in favor of whoever felt good. And I, I saw that repeatedly <laughs> over and over and over again, and I still see it. And it got to the point where I said to myself, you know what? The laws of probability don't adequately describe the situation because what I'm seeing doesn't really match up. And how much evidence do you need before you come to that conclusion? I think it's going to be different for every person. If you're really mathematically oriented, it'll probably take decades worth of information before you're <laughs> Well, I, I think that our own experiences coupled with the stories 
that we hear other people tell of their experiences, those are the real powerful, you know, tools in the toolbox because we've experienced them mm-hmm. like your pinky. Yeah. You know, like the stories that are in the book, which I'm, you know, I won't, I won't tell any of them, but just my story. I mean, it happened to me. And it was a great story, by the way. I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) I experienced it. So, you know, no one can take that away from me. Right. Right. And, and really, uh, no one can convince me that it was a coincidence. I don't really believe in coincidence. Well, I mean, Uh, again, I'm not going to tell you your story because I want people to read it for themselves. But when you got to the, the, the climax of the story where the great thing happened, I thought, holy cow. Because it was really <laughs> literally in your face. It was right <laughs> yes. there. It was right in your... You couldn't have ignored that one if you tried. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> so that's the thing is that, you know, when we're just starting... And, you know, I, I noticed yesterday as I was going through that some of the, the stories were told from the viewpoint of... I didn't even under I didn't know anything about law of attraction when yeah. this happened in my life. But looking back, yeah. I can realize and I that's really great to know because I think we can all do that. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. look back at, at something that happened and recognize, oh wow, okay. It, it, this was the law of attraction because we're all we're all experiencing the law of attraction all the time. And have all of our lives. Yeah. And so it's when we become conscious of it and we're in those beginning stages of learning about it and paying attention and being aware, that's when we really can start collecting those, those stories. And so sometimes, Hey, we're all skeptical at times. Sure. And rightfully so. If we're not evidence. Yeah. Collect, right. It's like going to, going to court (laughs) and hearing, you know, being on a jury and hearing, what's what the attorneys are saying the the defense attorney and the prosecuting attorney and they're bringing evidence and if there's hardly any evidence eh, not a very strong case mm-hmm. but what about when there's so much evidence piled up that everyone says oh well this is open and shut case like it's it's how can we even deny it there's so much evidence that's the place we want to get to in our own walk with law of attraction and conscious creating is that we're so sure because we have so much evidence. We've done it over and over and over. And at that point, that's when our faith becomes very, very strong. And I use that word faith not in a religious sense, but in a sense of confidence and surety and certainty and knowing that this is possible. Mm-hmm. Right? So when we don't have faith, that's the place where we feel hopeless. And a lot of people come to law of attraction in a, at a time when they're feeling hopeless. Oh, yeah. And the most important thing I think to help someone in that, in that place, like you said, this person that was posting over in the, in the group, in a group about law of attraction where they felt skeptical and they were doubting that's a place where not a lot of hope when we, once we get our hope restored, then we can move on to building the faith because once we're confident and we have faith in a process, um, then there's no stopping us at that point. And I will even add something that may sound kind of controversial. I think it's actually a good, healthy thing to be skeptical. In fact, I think it helps us to be better law of attraction practitioners, even though skepticism is a limiting belief. Let me explain why. 
if I run into somebody who tells me that they're not skeptical, they're total believers, and they're not multimillionaires, and their health isn't perfect, and their relationships aren't perfect, and everything isn't perfect in their lives, then I have to ask myself, how honest are they being with themselves about how much they really believe in it? Mm -hmm. The simple fact is they're in denial about their own skepticism, whereas the person who openly admits I'm skeptical, they're actually a lot closer to moving past their limiting belief because they've acknowledged it. They've admitted it. The person who says, well, I'm not skeptical. I believe totally, but nothing's going right in their life. No, sorry, guy. You have not yet acknowledged your skepticism. You have to acknowledge it first before you can move past it. Yeah, I think skepticism is healthy as well. It It's just, you know, it's very, it's very close to curiosity. Yes. I think curiosity is even more valuable. Um, but in other words, just questioning, just being willing to question something. It's very important. I think so, too. Yeah. All right. So let's see. I'm watching the clock. Yeah, let's got, do this next section. We've I think we have time. Clock. Yeah. I can feel good in my body. That's the subtext here. That's the subtitle. If you are not feeling good or looking the way you want to look, it has a way of reflecting out into all other aspects of your life experience. And it's for that reason that we want to emphasize the value in bringing your physical body into balance and comfort and well-being. There's nothing in the universe that responds faster to your thoughts than your own physical body. And so aligned thoughts bring a quick response and obvious results. Your physical well-being is really the easiest of subjects over which you have absolute control. For it is what you are doing about you. However, because you are translating everything in this world through the lens of how your physical body feels, if you do get out of balance, it can negatively affect a much larger part of your life than only your physical body. You are never more clear about wanting to be healthy and to feel good than when you are sick and feeling bad. And so the experience of being sick is a powerful launching pad for the asking for wellness. So if, in the moment that your sickness has caused you to ask for wellness, you could turn your undivided attention to the idea of being well, it would occur immediately. But for most, now that you're feeling bad, that is what has your attention. Once you are sick, it is logical that you would now notice how you feel, and in doing so, you would prolong the sickness. But it was not your attention to the lack of wellness that made you sick. Instead, it was your attention to the lack of many things that you desire. Mm, that deserves an underline. <laughs> yeah, and that's in italics. I'm going to read it again. Yeah. Once you are sick, it is logical that you would now notice how you feel. And in doing so, you would prolong the sickness. But it was not your attention to the lack of wellness that made you sick. Instead, it was your attention to the lack of many things that you desire. I want to also mention, too, it is possible to get sick by focusing on a lack of wellness. People do that as well. But I think what they're pointing out here is it doesn't have to necessarily be that. It can also be lack of other stuff that you're focusing on. The mm -hmm. lack itself is a negative place, and it's going to produce negative results. One of those results can be illness. Right. It says chronic attention to unwanted things holds you in a place of disallowing your physical well-being. 
as well as disallowing the solutions to other subjects you're focused upon. And then this last bit is also italicized. If you could focus your attention upon the idea of experiencing physical well-being with as much passion as you focus upon the absence of it, (laughs) not only would your recovery come quickly, but maintaining your physical well-being in balance would also be easy. Mm -hmm. If you could focus your attention upon the idea of experiencing physical well-being with as much passion as you focus upon the absence of it, not only would your recovery come quickly, but maintaining your physical well-being and balance would also be easy. It's easy to skip over it, but the key word in that passage is passion. Yep. That's the most important part. It isn't just trying to shift your attention to how you want to feel. It's getting passionate about it. As passionate as you can reach at this moment with the idea and the knowledge that even if it's a very, very small amount of passion, if you can reach for it, then the next time you try to reach for it, you're going to reach for more. And then the next time after that, you're going to reach for more than that. You can build the passion over time. It doesn't have to be instant. It just has to be where you're, you're moving to one small step at a time, getting yourself more and more excited. And in the early stages, I'll be perfectly honest, the early stages, the passion ain't very high. It's usually pretty low. It's just like, I'm trying to reach for it. I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to feel it. But as you get there, slowly, 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 it starts to build up. And then when it starts to build up, then it can actually accelerate. It can happen faster at that point. Well, especially, I think it's hard to to reach for that passion, especially if you are physically feeling ill. Mm-hmm, true. Because your energy level is probably low and there may be pain in your body. And, and it's, you know, definitely not an easy thing. Here's the, here's the thing. Most of us are not... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's kind of like exercise. Well, it is an exercise. Focusing our mental capacities, those that's an exercise, and mm-hmm. it takes practice. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, most people aren't going to go from never riding a bike to riding their bike for 25 miles one day. Right. And if they do, they're going to be really sore. And <laughs> they might even injure themselves. And they might, they might crash, you yep. know. Um, I remember when I was first riding a road bike and learning how to ride with my pedals, you know, my feet clipped into my pedals. Um, that's nerve wracking. <laughs> and you don't like you toe know, clips, huh? <laughs> pardon me? You don't like toe clips? Uh, no, I, I actually have, my shoes have clips that clip into the pedals. Oh, I and, see. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, we start slow with things. And I remember going out the first time and, you know, you, it's, it's, you don't just take your foot off the pedal and put it down. You have to unclip it and you have to learn how to do that. And if it's, you have to be able to do it very quickly because if you are not riding fast and you start to tip over and you can't get your foot out, you you just know you're going down and it happens very quickly. Mm. And so, you know, but over time, more practice, there wasn't an issue with it. I could clip out of the clips very quickly. I could, you know, I didn't have the problems anymore that I had in the beginning. It's 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 that way with anything. It's like when you first learn to drive a car mm-hmm. and it seems like you're having to focus on so many different things, the brakes and the shifting and the steering wheel and the <laughs> blinkers and the mirrors and ah and and now if you're someone who drives all the time, you hop in a car and you just drive it. You don't really have to consciously 
because you're practiced. I don't think a lot of us spend a lot of time practicing taking back the control of our mind and being able to really focus. I think you're right. And by and, the way, they actually give a clue on how to do that in here. They don't. They do it indirectly. They don't do it as directly as I'd like them to. But it says at one point, remember they talked about how you don't have to focus on a lack of wellness in order to get sick. They said instead it was your attention to the lack of many things that you desire. Yes. Well, the flip side of that is the way to get the passion built up is to focus on many things. You don't have to feel like focus just on wellness. You can focus on all the good things that are going on in your life. And all of those help you get into a better feeling place that you can then bridge over to getting well. So it doesn't have to be, if the hard part is focusing on feeling well when you're feeling sick or in pain, well, then don't do that one first. You don't have to make that the first thing you do. Go after some other stuff that you do feel good about and focus That's on that for a while. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Well, it's one of the reasons why, and I've, I actually have told clients this before, that were either physically, you know, feeling unwell or emotionally feeling unwell, maybe suffering with depression um, or something. Of course, I always want to make sure they're getting medical care that they need, right. that they need that. But also um, funny movies. Mm. Like I encourage people to, to know a handful of movies that always make you laugh when you see that movie. Like right. have a small list because it's, it's turning your focus away from what you don't want, away from lack, away from the things that you desire that aren't happening. And it's just giving you some time to feel good. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, more than that, and we've talked about this before. So, this is one thing science has verified. Laughter actually does heal. They, they can actually track in the body how when you laugh, it, it basically sends neurotransmitters through the body that end up causing injured or ill parts of the body to heal. They can actually see it and detect it. So it, that is scientifically shown. Uh, sometimes I will just say to somebody, um, I'll say, tell me a joke. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. And it really, it, it made me realize that when I was a kid, I feel like I heard people telling jokes a lot. I don't, hear as many jokes now like mm -hmm. just in normal conversations or somebody saying i heard a funny joke today but there's something about that right it's just bringing humor into conversation and something to smile about tell me something good right tell absolutely me good. yeah the smiling makes a big difference the laughing makes a big difference and so make it part of your daily routine yeah besides just your daily dose of happy that you get here um, to go find a few other doses of happy out there. <laughs> and don't be surprised if you do that often enough that people start laughing and smiling at times that you, you just didn't expect. And you're thinking, what are they laughing and smiling at? And you'll realize, oh, it's me. I must be laughing and smiling. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this is great. We've, we've got just a few seconds left, but uh, I want to give you a chance to uh, give your message. How does somebody reach out to you if they need uh, some more personal attention? Uh, they can find me online, cindychavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z. -I, -E I would love for you to come find me and to reach out and say hello. And I urge you to do it. Cindy, we won't talk again until next Tuesday, but I look forward to it. I look forward to it, too. And until then, uh, have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Absolutely. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.